You are listening to the Live Better Show with Brett and Jason, where we dive into life crushers, changing their game, talking about wellness, and sharing a message of putting plan into action. Live Better is based on five pillars. Move better, eat better, think better, give better, and live better. We move for freedom, to do and go where and when we want. We practice good nutrition to combat an age of being overfed and undernourished. We practice mindfulness for ways to live purposefully. We give better as the basis for why we do anything at all, especially when focusing on the health of our clients and community. And at the intersection of it all, we live better. Health and wellness is the sustainable fuel to do whatever it is in life you want to do better. Our guests share their story, their mission, and the pursuit of having the best day ever every single day. Brett and Jason here with our friend, coach, mentor, running coach, slayer, Mike Thompson, um, owner and operator of Fast and Fit. Uh, we're talking marathon running, training, life, everything today. Welcome to the Live Better podcast. Mike, how are we doing, guys. brother? Yeah, good. Actually, just got done with the run. <laughs> awesome. You how was it? Can't smell me. Uh, we don't have uh, smell vision yet. No, separation. no, no, no. Yeah, it was a good run. Uh, put in... Monday and Tuesday, about 20 miles of running, and so I ended up taking this one to the treadmill. Nice. So it's actually nice to get out of the humidity and onto a softer surface. So everybody like foo-foo's the treadmill. Actually, when I was on the treadmill, somebody came up to me and go, they go, you know, it's actually pretty nice outside, right? Like, it's sunny. <laughs> like, you can get outside. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And I'm glad you asked me because <laughs> I could explain my situation just to get on a softer surface, you know? So tomorrow I can actually get after it. Yeah. So we're on this um, marathon journey. You're obviously my run coach, um, and Brett has joined for some group runs too. Um, let's start with where. Well, start, start talking about your business first, and then we'll get into marathon around that. So I train with you. We do a lot of online stuff, mm-hmm. um, but I've also come into the gym and train with Fast and Fit. You guys have an awesome team of people. Can you just give us a little bit of background on you? Um, just kind of coming up and starting to become a coach and where you're at now. Should I start with the uh, way back in the way back in the yeah, day? Yeah, let's start in the day. Early um, Mike athlete. Yeah, so early Mike was a soccer player. And so um, I ended up uh, starting out at a Division II school um, in 2001. Played soccer at uh, Saginaw Valley in Michigan. Got a scholarship to go there and went uh, to school undecided. Played for two years, and then uh, I was dating a girl at the, I was going to the University of Michigan, and I sat in on her exercise physiology class, and I said, holy crap, you can learn about this stuff? You can learn about exercise? And I thought I was going to be a business guy. Actually, uh, growing up, I owned a lawn care company, and when I went to, to college, I ended up selling it. Um, but... Um, you know, I thought I was going to go that route, and so I was taking all business classes for the first couple of years, and then I flipped the switch, and she was going physical therapy, and I was like, wow, this is, this is my speed, and so I ended up um, transferring to Michigan State um, and uh, started pursuing exercise science, kinesiology, because I thought I was going to be a physical therapist, and I went uh, another two and a half years there. Um, I ended up walking onto the soccer team, played soccer for a couple of years with Michigan State, and um, got to my final internship, did two of them, one with a personal trainer and one with a, um, excuse me, one with a physical therapist and one with a personal trainer who was going out and doing corporate lectures. 
and the physical therapist was just a little bit morbid and slow and it wasn't my speed and the personal trainer was what I like to say moving the needle. He was making an impact. He was, um, he was changing people's lives and you could see that people were walking out like actually like vibrating, like they felt empowered, like they felt like they could change their life and like I was like that's what I want and uh, that, that, that made a really big impact on the direction of where I went after that. And so um, then I pursued personal training hardcore and um, the girl that I was dating at the time uh, ended up coming to Northwestern to go to grad school. I followed and came to Chicago and uh, started personal training in Chicago in 2005 at uh, Export. Nice. And <laughs> North and Well started at a corporate gym. I had to get some experience somewhere. Um, and you know, even before I moved to Chicago, I was I was training like parents and friends and um, started uh, at the Michigan Athletic Club in, in uh, I guess it would be Okemos, Michigan. Um, so I did have some experience prior to that, but started at Export and started a company called uh, Core Fitness Enhancement with a couple of gentlemen. And then, um, met my now wife and she ended up uh, she was an accountant and uh, ended up getting overworked and uh, oh, I feel her pain yeah Sounds exactly familiar. right exactly yeah what that feels like um, she was like this is just killing me literally and so she said let's do this let's start a company and so we ended up starting fast and fit coaching so eight or nine years ago now and um, so we uh, ended up doing personal training and I had at the time a couple of uh, coaches that were doing online coaching with me and I said that um, you know well, I could do this too like I, I don't want to just do personal training and make and you know and have an hour or two or man if I can get three hours with a, a client on the training floor that's great but if I can tell a client what they're supposed to do seven days a week once again that's gonna make an impact that's gonna move the needle and so um, I started doing personal training. I started doing a lot of coaching. So that is the kind of the meat and potatoes or meat and vegetables of uh, of the business right now. Um, so the business is me, and my wife, are the co-owners, and we um, have uh, a couple of coaches that are working with us, um, administering uh, personal training and online coaching and track workouts and. Um, so we work out of a 30,000 square foot space um, in um, River North called Hi-Fi, where we rent an office and we have multiple turf areas and places to do um, that has uh, strongman equipment and sleds and places that we can do shuttle runs and sprints and stuff like that. So that's why we that's why we chose Hi-Fi. So that's the business in a nutshell, and that was the trajectory of the business but you know after college after soccer um, you know running was came pretty easy to me when I I'll never forget this when I walked down to Michigan State um, preseason we did the two-mile run and it's, as the, a, it's the soccer yeah it's that's the soccer, the soccer yeah, run the totally. two mile yeah I don't know why if I like, <laughs> yeah actually, they love it they love uh, it you should run way more than that and never two miles at an no, all-out dead no. sprint pace uh, so I ran a uh, 10:50, not as a runner, as a soccer player. Yeah, and uh, that's due to like just playing a lot and playing multiple times a day, and so running came fairly easy to me. So I immediately went to to marathons, and um, 
did a couple of them, had plantar fasciitis pretty bad, and so I ended up picking up triathlon and then had quite the career in triathlon. Went all the way um, up to Ironman, did my first Ironman in Cosmo, Mexico, did a 1050, and then said, eh, let's, I think what's really resonate with me now is the shorter distances, so um, hired a coach, Justin Trollet, out of the Olympic Training Center in uh, Colorado Springs, and he coached me up to uh, a 201 in Vermont, and I think that was uh, 2011, which got me, that was age group nationals, got me a spot on the um, Team USA, where I went to compete at Worlds in 2012, which is where I proposed to my wife, and that was the last... That was the last triathlon I did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, at that time uh, in 2012 was really where the business was, like, kicking off. And so I knew that, um, you know, I, I really wanted to, to focus on the business for a couple of years. And so I still did um, I still did quite a bit of training. Like, 2013, I ran my PR. So 2012, I had a hell of a try career. You know, mm -hmm. I went and I, I competed in probably one of my best uh, races ever. And then I took that fitness and I applied it to the run and I dropped a 251 in 2013 with probably my, the fitness of my triathlon. So um, I think there's something to be said for, and we, we were just talking about before we got on air about how uh, base and training volume is so important. And that's what I contribute a lot of my uh, success to is like just freaking <laughs> a lot of training, yeah. you know? So um, so now, uh, kind of after 2013, I've dabbled in some 5Ks and some miles, and and this year I'm going to go back and uh, help a buddy and buddies do the marathon, yeah. That's a perfect place to start. So, I mean, you can see the progression, or if you're listening to this, you can listen to the progression from you moving from soccer, which a lot of sports are running base, but soccer, you're getting this massive base. And I just remember competing in cross-country events for fun without ever having to do practice because I think I was putting yeah. in more miles per right. week probably than the cross-country right. kids were right. just from soccer without the direct thought process of, oh, I'm building my base right. and then I'm working through zones. And, you know, I, we had no thought of that. It's just right. like, how many goals can I score? Yeah. So... Talk us through, I think that's a really good place to start because I think when I was thinking about doing a marathon for the first time, um, this is Brett and I's first marathon, um, I think that's probably what I overlooked the most is just, you know, I've heard him refer to easy miles, junk miles, you know, whatever your positive or negative kind of tilt on that, but just getting that massive base of very easy runs in, can we just sort of start there and then walk through what a good marathon training plan actually entails instead of just like pulling one down offline or at least giving some description kind of start to finish on what that progression looks like. Yeah, I mean, to, to talk about um, building a base, uh, it, it requires volume and it requires training your heart and uh, you actually need to run. <laughs> um, and so running is a very skill-based sport, and so you do need to run multiple times, and you will be rewarded from multiple runs in the week. However, if you're a fragile, delicate flower, you might need to add in some other cross-training. So, like playing an instrument, uh, if you were to play an instrument for an hour a week, one day, uh, that's good, but if you were to play arguably two times for half an hour, I think that that would be better. 
okay, with the same amount of time. So two different encounters in frequency. And so if you were to play three times for 30 minutes, I think that that would be better. Okay, and so you get more reps, okay? And so um, I remember my coach, Justin, he coached a lot of um, Olympic triathletes and females, and they had issues with bone density. And so he would get them swimming, he would get them biking, and he would get them like running around the block a couple of times every day. <laughs> yeah, just and to they get would, steps just in. To, just to get the reps in, just to, yeah. to build the skill of running. And so the running skill needs to be, and that's the benefit of like doing running drills, yeah. is because you keep the mechanics. And so we talk about building base and easy miles. Um, I think what we should also look at is uh, the amount of time spent in an aerobic state and that time can be done on an elliptical on a stair stepper on a rower swimming you know yeah <laughs> I like to say underwater basket weaving <laughs> whatever man yeah. whatever gets you going roller skating yeah <laughs> you know uh, let's get crazy here <laughs> um, but um, many people don't many people go and they do some other hard effort and they're not truly building their aerobic capacity like oh yeah cool I'll go do blank and it's in a it's at a harder zone for intensity and so if we have our zones zone one two three four and five zone one would be like recovery where you're like uh you can completely breathe in and out of your nose okay zone two would be aerobic and easy where you can still you can still breathe and you can still talk but you're going to need to like take a breath and zone three would be um below your lactate threshold. Zone four would be lactate threshold. Zone four would also have a direct or a strong correlation to your ventilatory threshold. So um, if you're running, it, you would, uh, conversation would come to an end. You'd be able to say a couple of words, like, let's do this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> best day ever. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and zone five uh, is that VO2 max where you're there's, there's no talking. You're yeah. just like spitting all over your face and not wiping it because you, you just must run. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that that's really important to understand is that, um, you know, the, the heart can be trained in many different ways and you can build those capillary density and the number of capillaries and all those uh, metabolic benefits that come along with that. But you do still need to run to build the skill. And so the elites are, there's a reason why they're running seven days a week, but they might also be like Mev is an elliptico guy, Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so wherever you can get it and you have to understand like how much volume you can take, how much, you know, run volume you can take. Yeah. Some people, some people just can't, some, you know, like, um, like me. <laughs> yeah. I have a yeah. hard time doing it. I'm in the delicate flower. You are. You I'm are. in the delicate flower category. Yeah, you are. Not by choice, but you're pretty by flower, though. Yeah, thank you're you. very pretty flower. Thank you. <laughs> so when you meet with a client, mm -hmm. and let's just stick on the marathon train, that's running their first marathon. What are your protocols on their assessment of where they're at, where their volume is, and then how do you talk with them? Um, because what I've no noticed with your and Jason's relationship around the running is the coaching piece of it is very much in the flow of how you feel 
mm. still making sure you're getting in the work, but it has yeah. to, you know, you know, your body has to be functional. Yeah. Um, if I was to say, go run 60 miles tomorrow yeah. and you can't do that, then that's not good coaching. Right. So how do you meet somebody where they're at and then start creating the plan from a coaching perspective as well as a human perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I could write an 18-week program and have you do it. But what happens when you're six weeks down the road and something comes comes up? Because the, the program is ultimately going to be doing this, progressing and progressing and progressing. One step, you know, three steps forward, one step back, three steps forward and one step back. And so if you're traveling for a week, like how do you how do you change things? Yeah. So that's why we tend to write the program on a week-to-week basis or uh, two weeks at a time. And on the weekend, we check in. How did how did the weekend run go? Oh my gosh, uh, it it didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. So let's repeat that workout the next week, so you can like crush it and have confidence going into the next week. And that's why um, it, it, it is dependent on the athlete, uh, and that's the the custom programming. So yes, we do write like eighteen week marathon plans, but you're not going to get as good of results. So, but you know. I think a good way to answer your question is we ask uh, a bunch of questions when we get an athlete to come in, like how many miles are they currently running? How many times are they currently running a week? What are their current paces? Uh, do they run with a heart rate monitor? Do they watch their heart rate when they <laughs> okay, yeah. good. You yeah. run with it. Do you watch it next time? Yeah. Um, what shoe do you run in? Uh, do you stretch? you strength train um how long have you been running previous sports played uh oh you did track and field what distance did you do so if you were a sprinter if you were a hundred meter guy that would change the way i would train you so it would it would probably be more interval based and so it would probably be more like run for a duration and walk run for a duration and walk because that pretty little snowflake or flower is created a certain way you know and they tended to at an early age, be drawn to the more sprint-based training. So, um, and do you have any past injuries? So, to answer your question, um, how many miles a week is very important? Because if somebody comes in and they're only doing 15 miles, well, I can't take them from 15 and go to 30. So that makes a difference. So I got to ask them where are they at now. Also, I need to ask them how many times are they running. And I, I urge them, and I try to like pull, get them to do more uh, almost immediately. Almost immediately. More times. More times in the week to in- yeah. increase the frequency of the running. Absolutely. And it's kind of like uh, if you're biking, let's get um, one mile or like 10 minutes off the bike. That will help. That helps yeah. with the skill of running big time. Because what yeah. happens if somebody comes and they're like, I, I'm running, you know, once every two weeks for fun, but I want to do this marathon. They yeah. start standard with everybody else. June 1st, they will say Chicago. Yeah. June 1st is like the start of our run season. Goes through October 13th, that's the marathon, or somewhere around that weekend. And they say, oh, I'm doing, you know, a couple fun runs. I take a studio class and hop on the treadmill for a little bit every once in a while, but I'm doing no base mileage. I don't have 15 miles of base. I don't run three times a week. It's just like nothing. Yeah. At what volume, say they have... No prior injuries, just like workshop a little bit. No prior injuries, but not a ton of, hey, I grew up playing soccer. I grew up running cross country. Yeah. Like, oh, I ran track in college. They're not a runner. Yeah. Where do you start from the beginning with them, and, and what does that initial stage kind of look like? That's fantastic, yeah. I do a lot of easy running uh, with this individual. Um, 
try to keep them in control because once they start going into more tempo based efforts that's when you get out of control that's when you have out of control breathing and that's when the form starts to break down and so I tend to keep the efforts fairly zone two, fairly aerobic, being able to talk, uh, being able to breathe in and out of their nose. So if they're able to breathe in and out of their nose, they're under control. I also put in a lot of walks. So yeah. they might start with a five minute run, two minute walk, five minute run, two minute walk, and that's the, you know the, the number of times they're gonna do that run walk is dependent on how many, how, how long they've been running. But um, the walk acts as like a reset it drops their heart rate and uh, it gives them, hey, I've only got two more minutes and then I can I can walk. And so the form stays better for that five minute duration. Whereas if I were to write 30 minute easy run, just run for 30 minutes, the form would eventually start to deteriorate and yeah. it would get worse and worse as you would go on. Instead, if I were to write six times uh, five minutes or six sets of five minutes with a two minute rest, their form would stay better for the for longer. Yeah, and that worked for me too when I was coming back from injury when we started running initially like a year and a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. That was great. It yeah. was like one mile on, one minute off. Yeah. One mile on, two yeah. minutes off. And it really does work. Well, here's what happens is like your muscles and your heart are going to feel really good in like two weeks. But your tendons are going to take like six to eight weeks to adapt. They're going to take longer. So there's less blood flow that goes to those parts. And so uh, that's why you have to be patient. And most people that we train are like, let's go. I feel good. (laughs) I'm dropping weight. Like, you know, I'm feeling better. I'm breathing easier. Uh, And they're super motivated. And you as the coach and you understanding the, you know, the science behind that, you're like, pump for the brakes. Yeah, hips, knees, and toes, kid. Relax. Like um, somebody asked me uh, just yesterday at a fun run that I did, Hey, Bill was just um, in Australia for like three or four weeks. Um, what can he do for the last two and a half weeks leading into the marathon? I'm like, you can't binge train a marathon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You can't cram for the marathon. <laughs> so uh, it takes it takes time to have those adaptations, and that's why we talked prior to to pump, jumping on the um, the talk today about you know getting that high school kid that started at 50 to 70 miles and get they get into college and they're at 70 to 90 miles and then they're uh, a pro and they're running 90 to 130 miles and that may be a 10-year progression and my coach Justin I give him a lot of credit Justin Trollet he said that in order to see somebody's potential you have to train consistently for seven years that means no injuries to see your potential and so the kid that um, you know start you find them when they're like a a junior in high school and then when they're graduating or like a year or two after college that's when they're starting to shine man that's when they're really starting to shine but I mean you can have like an ache or pain but like you can't be like my hamstring ripped off the bone yeah or you can't yeah, might take a little bit to recover from yeah. that one yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you so let's let's go back to I think that was a good example about not cramming for the marathon something that I would have done had I not you know, <laughs> taking a long time to train for this. Um, still thinking about yeah, doing it. Still thinking about doing it. <laughs> let's go back to my bench press. When we, um, when you talk about the zones, can you talk about at what distance races those zones apply to? Because when you run a 5K, mm-hmm. um, as a former athlete, like you are coming out 
guns blazing. Yeah. Like, right from the start. You're already, <gasps> like, you know, a half mile in. Yeah. But when you go marathon, you can't do that. So when you're moving through those zones and, and kind of as you do it, could you just explain if people don't know what lactate threshold is, what kind of VO2 max is, I think, you know, adding in the, you can breathe in and out your nose, people understand that, yeah. but at what, like, when the science takes over of, okay, your body's actually out of oxygen and you will start to wind down, well, at you, what point you fail, can we just kind of talk through different races and how yeah. those zones actually apply to those races? So it's, it's funny, I did um, my how-to-run seminar last night, and I talk about the mile. Uh, I've read studies that the mile is 50% aerobic and 50% anaerobic. And so the individuals that are really good at the mile are still putting 40 to 60 miles, 70 miles of a week into their training. And so if you look at a pie chart, the majority of their training is aerobic, is at conversation pace. And then there's a sliver of it, okay, that is in that kind of <sighs> breathing hard pace. And then there's a, a smaller sliver that's, uh, speed death march yeah uh, and then control yeah like <laughs> let's go sprint yeah um, and then as you go um, up the spectrum to the marathon those slivers that the, the track work and the speed get smaller and the tempo work gets smaller and you want to put in uh, more and more base but the mile is 50% aerobic 50% anaerobic the 5k is 80% aerobic 20% anaerobic. Oh, mine's probably the that's, but that's probably the inverse. That's what you think though, but like yeah. you would you would um and be is that greatly data rewarded draw, drawn off like elite runners and how they're doing it. I believe I got this one from uh, Dr. Jack Daniels uh, running formula book. Okay. Um, I think that's where I got this information. And they say that the you know this comes from 14 to 26 minutes of time under tension. Okay. In the mile, they're looking at four to six. So yeah, I'd say pretty yeah. elite individuals. Yeah. 10K uh, is 90% aerobic, 10% anaerobic. And then the marathon is more like 95 and five. And so you are greatly rewarded by doing a crap ton of aerobic miles. Yeah, that's a, those are crazy crap ratios. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. So for somebody that um, is just getting into running, mm -hmm. um, I liked your like breathing you know, breathing hard versus conversation. Mm, yeah. What would be like some baseline zones if they got their heart rate strap on that would be like, this is aerobic for an individual, this is anaerobic, just so that people would know. So I, um, I follow this gentleman, Dr. Phil Maffetone, and Dr. Phil has a way of finding a very conservative uh, maximum aerobic heart rate, and that's 180 minus your age. Okay, so if you're a 30-year-old, your maximum aerobic heart rate is 150. And so if you get your heart rate up and do not exceed 150, let's call it 140 to 150 is your zone. That would be a good aerobic zone, and you would not uh, secrete lactic acid. You would not be breathing hard. For most people who are very unfit, they will have to walk in order to get the heart rate back down to that 140 to 150. And so um, if you were to go for a half an hour or 40-minute steady-state run and you were to start out at like 145, as a very unfit individual, your heart rate would start to drift. They call that cardiac drift. 
as a very fit individual, that cardiac drift would occur less. Okay, so that 180 minus your age is a very conservative uh, maximum aerobic heart rate. What I like to use is I like to do a 20-minute time trial for individuals. Okay, hear me out on this one. This is a little bit long. You got to do a 20-minute time trial. Run as hard as you can. When you're done with the 20 minutes, you cannot walk. You're like throwing up. You're like can't stand up. Okay, so probably a 5K, but I don't want you to do it in a 5K setting. You do this solo. And you take the last 10 minutes of that 20-minute uh, effort, and you take the average of that. And so let's say that that average heart rate is 176. That heart rate is your lactate threshold. And then you take 20 beats below that, and that, I believe, is, without doing a VO2 max test, your maximum aerobic heart rate. So for me, that's about 156. However, I know because I've done a, maxim, a, a VO2 max test that mine is closer to 167. And so if I don't do my VO2 max test, I could be limiting or handicapping my, um, my training potential. And so I think being able to get on a, a metabolic cart and get that, extract that information is very important. Um, you can also do, you know, uh, so that's, that's how I would find one, your maximum aerobic heart rate without using a metabolic cart, VO2 max testing, and two, how I would find your lactate threshold. Another way to find your lactate threshold is to uh, get on a treadmill and every three minutes change the intensity. Okay, so change the intensity about a half mile, or a, about a yeah, half minute per mile. So, excuse me, half mile per hour. So let's say you know you're aerobic at six miles an hour, uh, and you think that you're gonna be like aerobic, you think you're gonna be aerobic at about an eight minute mile. You don't want the test to exceed 20 minutes. So you'd probably start it at about a 9.30, okay? And so you go from 9.30 to 9, 8.30, 8, uh, 7.30, okay? And so you hang out in each of these zones for about three minutes because that's about how long it takes for your heart rate to stabilize. But you pay attention to uh, your breathing and the point at which you start breathing like that is strongly correlated with your lactate threshold. So your ventilatory threshold and your lactate threshold are almost one-to-one. -one. And so that's a good way of like kind of eyeballing it once again without that metabolic heart. So if you're doing that during the marathon, slow down. Oh yeah. <laughs> Unless you're at like mile... 25. Yeah, 25. <laughs> yeah. So you could do that for what they say is about 90 minutes. Okay. You could... You could. Uh, yeah, like 60 to 90 minutes, yeah. You could do that breathing. So you hard. could squeeze in a half, hauling. So, yep, so I that. my lactate threshold is 176. I averaged 182 for my last half marathon. And then, and then you're... An hour and 21 minutes. And then you're you're huffing and puffing when you finish. Yeah, like your hands so my are heart rate knees. was... Yeah, my yeah. heart rate was 191 by the end. Yeah. So and that was maxed. With a lactate threshold... With, with a, uh, lactate threshold of 176 so averaged 182 during the race and I capped out at 191 so when you okay so and then that kind of leads me into the next part of this too because that would suggest that 
by the science, even after the VO2 max test, like you do have a little bit extra in the tank. And I think that that lends itself really well to talking about some yeah. like yeah. race day type things that yeah. can either overexcite you, underexcite you, where you find motivation from, like all those factors coming together yeah. that are intangible, not read by your heart rate. Yeah, so like when you're fresh and recovered and properly carved up and you know not stressed and you've wore compression and you've done all the right things leading into the race for the last couple of weeks, you should be able to run at a higher heart rate than what you've been able to do in training. That heart rate, I can't tell you. Yeah. But with the environment, the crowd yelling, <laughs> first you don't want it to be too excited and hyped at the beginning because that'll blow your energy up. You, know, yeah. you can't be like balancing. You can't be You're balancing. You're ready for a, um, one million people yeah. to greet you in the first eight <laughs> miles and then no one to talk to you until you get back to mile 25. You may make sure you chill out, You better make sure you chill out. You're going to run, gonna come gonna out gonna run five fifties. You're going to run 550s for the first 10 There's a new miles. guy that yeah. takes the lead. Yeah. I like that. Who yeah. is he? I like Brett to get the pictures. He's got a Nike bib on. Yeah. <laughs> Brad tries to get the front picture. Yeah, I need to get it. I'm every race. a photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then dies. Then dies. And then you still kind of hold on. We'll yeah, see hold what on. Happens. We'll see what happens. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be with you guys in this one. Could be on the cover of the Chicago Marathon 2020. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, just Did not finish. Yeah, How well did that guy do? They look up the big number. one mile. He didn't finish. He ran a 358 mile and then quit. Yeah. Signed up for the wrong race. Best life ever t-shirt. Exactly. Just to get some good publicity. Totally. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those lead-ins to the actual day. Um, and we can talk about you and then some things that you might subscribe to or prescribe to, you know, your beginning runner, your intermediate runners. Um, feel free to toss anything on anybody elite you've you've spoken with. But I think you've done this at a high enough level and enough times that you can speak to what has worked, what maybe hasn't worked too, I think is really important. But yeah. what are some of those recovery strategies that you think that every runner should be taking advantage of? And then maybe a couple with newer technology that's come out with more like compression gear. Now we're into yeah. all types of recovery therapies that are new. So let's, yeah. let's go through those, especially in like the month leading up to the race. Yeah. I mean, everybody's awareness is heightened now that we're getting closer. Like if there's talk about it, you can feel it. Maybe it's just like the tribes that we're rolling with and the people that we're talking to. Yeah. Like when we go to track and we go to fun runs, like you can just like feel it in the air. Yeah. Like it's Chicago and we're like a couple weeks out from the race. So there's that whole vibe of, the excitement. Um, so uh, a couple of things that are starting now, you know, two and a half weeks out, are sleep. Sleep has to be dialed in. If you are underslept, you will actually not store as much glycogen. Okay, you'll have more cortisol. You'll be more stressed. You will not recover as well. So, like, sleep is one of those things that it should be a non-negotiable, okay? You go to bed at the same time and you wake up at the same time within an hour on each end, okay? And you're trying to get, oh, you're trying to get your seven to nine hours, okay? Um, Good luck. And you're trying to... When was to, the last time you did that, Brett? <laughs> uh, oh, God. 20, well, I say try. I said try. Try? Yeah. It's, this is all try. trying. And you know what, though? Like, if you're the guy that get, is getting, you know, five and a half, six, then try to get a half an hour on yeah. top of that. You know, yeah. try to get a little bit more. So you're not going to... You're going to aim for four. <laughs> hey, naps help, man. Naps help. I'm naps a help. big tiger snooze guy. Um, I end up falling asleep with uh, some compression. Uh, what are they called? The Norma Tech. Oh, take a nap every time I get into yeah. them. Somebody, yeah. somebody, I did it at the gym yesterday, and somebody took a picture of me and put it up on a story, an Instagram story. <laughs> nice. I'm sure.
cigarettes floating around the internet yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, so compression is one of those things that I highly recommend. Compression socks. There are really good compression socks out there these days. Full length over the knee, I, under the knee. I, I wear socks. I wear socks, yeah. If you got pants, wear rocking pants. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, if but you're up like across the up across the calf, and just yep. like a normal high sock. Sock, yeah. I wear the socks. And you're talking just wearing those all day. Yes. Okay. Yep. Especially as you know, a guy that coaches on the training floor and stands, it's going to help with. Yeah. It's going to help with recovery. Uh, I would get a couple pair of them. Um, you can sleep with them. So I would rock those. That's something I did a long time ago, and. Uh, it's not, not psychological. I actually feel much better. I, f- I feel. Much Do you have a, a brand or company you recommend for this? Uh, CEP. Okay. Yeah, the compression. The um, what do you call it? Not pharmaceutical grade. I think it's military medical grade. grade. Military. Medical grade. Yeah. American grade. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing. That's We're right. Gonna, <laughs> we're gonna make it a thing. That's right. <laughs> um, the simple things. So. Uh, sleep is one of them. Compression is another. Making sure you're just staying hydrated enough. Um, I think that being on the floor for anywhere from eight to twelve hours a day as a personal trainer and coach, like we forget to drink water. It's yeah. like as much as we preach it, like we forget to drink water too. And so having like a big fifty ounce jug um, and having uh, two of those bad boys a day and then to drink additional water on top of your workouts is very important um, so those are some of the really big things um, yeah what else do you like any how about supplements you know I've, I've had my day of like taking a ton of supplements um, the supplements that are still in my repertoire are fish oil, uh, magnesium, both oral and topical, um, zinc, a multivitamin, probiotic, uh, and I don't take one through the summer, but D yeah. is another one. Um, I take protein powder. So those are the big ones. Gotcha. Yeah. So then, so say we move through the, the month, we're, we're two and a half weeks out. So you're starting, you're also not really tinkering around with any different food right. um, at this point. But the week of, let's get to that week, mm-hmm. what are you doing that changes that maybe you haven't been doing in your training the whole time? What are some things that you might introduce that you had not been doing previously? So like, let's leave yeah, out the yeah. the foam rolling, the boot sessions, obviously yeah, the frequent running, the getting enough sleep. Like those are things you obviously want over all of training. Dialing yeah. them in, you know, a month, three weeks That's out, but question. new stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that you could start minimizing caffeine uh, about now, and then reintroduce it hard, like a day or two before. Okay, because you, you lose the sensitivity to caffeine. Caffeine is one of our best natural, uh, legal ergonomic aids, so there is benefits to that. Uh, I keep it in a little bit just to help with uh, bowel movement in the morning, but probably one a day would be like the max that you would need. And then on race day, you do like two. So you're not going to an extreme where you're like jittery and like shaking, but um, 
especially for the marathon. Uh, but if you use goos with caffeine on the course, you will feel a benefit. You will feel a, a, a like a, a buzz or like a pop, like energy to it. So yeah. it will have a benefit. So uh, that's one thing, removing caffeine or at least reducing the amount because I'm probably doing, probably doing three, three coffees a day. So I take that down to one and then do tea throughout the rest of the day. Um, salting my food uh, would start probably three to four days prior to. And so I would uh, be a little bit more aggressive about putting some Himalayan sea salt on almost all of my food. I'm a, a pretty good sweater, and so I do do the topical magnesium and the oral magnesium, and I, I do feel a difference in recovery when I do that, but I also salt my food pretty, pretty aggressively. Um, and just last night, I had, like, some chicken noodle soup, because, uh, yeah, just to, like, recover, just the bone broth, you know, like, I think that's really, really good and probably underused as it for endurance athletes. Um... And, uh, you know, just kind of lightening the workload. So, like, being a little bit selfish leading into the race. It's, uh, you know, my race, your race, your race. So, like, that week, take a light load. Like, tell your coworkers that it's freaking race week. And guess what? You're going to go to bed. Or, like, just make sure that you're, like, super, super productive at work. So when you get home, you can, like be free of distractions and start winding down and start getting ready for the back cave so you can get some good sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about um, your strength training as you move through Ooh. these phases? Ooh. So yeah, now we're getting into the good stuff. Oh yeah, let me beat my chest real yeah, quick. Yeah, let's All get right. away We saw you doing those 400 pound kettlebell swings. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, 96 kilo. That was just, that was just per play, by the way. <laughs> just really thing is a monster. This thing really is grand. bigger than yeah. you. But yeah, I think yeah. let's stick to not not what you're necessarily doing all year round yeah. to maintain yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go in marathon cycle. Or, and, and you could maybe um, shed some light on 5K, I think, leading up to the race. Like, how do those things play a part? Because it's interesting. I just got off of a run certification this weekend, and the strength training that they were talking about in the run certification was more strength training as you're running, like tempo, hills, oh. fartlek. It wasn't, oh, this is strength training, like deadlift, squat, press, pull, yeah. none of that. Yeah. So um, that was definitely a secondary, tertiary, maybe, thought yeah. to yeah. how you actually build in the runs. And I know that for me, at least as a personal anecdote, I can't give that up yeah. and I think if I would have gone back in hindsight leading into these last two weeks I think I would have prioritized those days just as much and I think in my mind I just got sort of addicted to wanting to make sure I was getting faster yeah. you just don't give as much priority to that so can you speak to once marathon training starts like how the training evolves and how important it is yeah um, so to take a quick step back early in the season the lifting tends to be slow and you can add pauses in as you go through, the, the tempo starts to speed up. And right about now, when we're two and a half weeks out, we don't do very much eccentric training. We don't do very much slow training. Things are very ballistic and dynamic. And so you still are moving some load. Um, I tend to train my runners very, in a very linear manner. And so the reps might start early in the season at 10 to 12, and they might get down, depending on the athlete's training age and experience, to two or three reps 
uh, of a heavy lift followed by something explosive. That's contrast training at its finest, right? So you teach the tendons to be very elastic and responsive. So you would do like a heavy deadlift followed by like a, a squat jump. Um, a heavy squat followed by a box jump. Okay, some like a hurdle hop or a pogo hop, broad jump, okay? But you can't, once you touch the ground on the jump, hang out on the ground. It has to be a touch and go, touch and go, touch and go, okay? And uh, so you're training your tendons to be very, very elastic. Um, so that's one thing. I think the other thing is like, don't be scared to go heavy in this phase. Yes, your training volume might come down a little bit, but the intensity, as a matter of fact, goes up. Like, you should be almost hitting PRs in your lifts. So, like I said, if you started at 10 to 12, which is the high end of um, the strength uh, spectrum, we worked pretty damn close. I don't think we need to be doing singles, um, but we could work in, if, as an elite, uh, an experienced lifter, to twos and threes. And so if you're doing a deadlift, you would rip the bar from the ground or at least have the intent to move the bar from the ground as fast as possible. Once the bar is up and you're standing tall, you do not resist it down. You drop it. Yeah. You actually drop it. Okay? And so um, people will like look over and be like, man, what are you doing? Like, hey, man. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm training for a marathon. Yeah. Boom. I'm lifting more than you. Yeah. Get out of my face. But early <laughs> in the season, you could eccentrically lower that slowly, and so you can um, build those structural integrity with those yeah. erectors. And, but now you're just trying to turn on the nervous system. You want that nervous system to get fired up. And so when you do your ballistic dynamic squat jumps, everything's firing. Yeah. All cylinders are going. Okay. So um, I also take out the fluff. I take out all the arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, I take out uh, what I would consider a lot of the like B series exercises. So you do the big movements, the pull-ups. Uh, probably even take out the bench press. I take out like the bench pressing right now. Squat, deadlift. Um, I would still push press, but then it's it's followed up with a, a ballistic movement. So that would be one day more strength and I would keep one big day a, a week and those lifts tend to be closer to when you're going to be doing your track or speed work okay and then later in the week you do your core exercises so that is something you keep in all year that that, that doesn't change okay um, so you know you're doing your planks with a lateral arm you're doing your plank with like a hip bridge you're doing your lateral band walk you're doing your um, single leg cone touches, uh, all of your stability work is still on the program. Yeah, The volume is not as high as what it would will, would have been early in the season. You're just trying to make sure that everything is... Works. Works, yeah. 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 If you've got an issue, if you've got like an injury, then you might need to give it a little more love, but the, the that volume tends to, to stay pretty consistent throughout the year. Yeah. And then how does it progress five days out let's talk five four three two and yeah, then we'll go day yeah. full taper week so like everything run and lift or just lift let's go run and lift. yeah just let's talk okay so yeah you know, it's, what should i do next yeah. weekend mike <laughs> yeah okay so i like 
It was go seven days out. Okay. I like to do the long run, the last long run on the day, and I, this is actually a month out. I like to put all my long runs on race day just to get the brain ready. It's Friday. Okay, I got Saturday where I'm gonna do my last little run, and in Jason, your program, you might have like a three, four, five mile run the day before your Sunday run, and that just starts to get the brain ready for Sunday because Sunday is game day, you know. So Sunday will be the last long run, and so that might be a 10 to 12 miler for most people. Okay, eight, 10, 12. At, um, what, at what pace are you doing that? Uh, that one's easy. Okay. Yeah, that one's easy. You got nothing to. You got nothing to win there, yeah. you know, so um, Monday, this is where it depends on the pretty little snowflake. Um, you could do a recovery run. You could take it off. Uh, you could do cross training. Um, but that, that is generally an easier day. Tuesday uh, or Wednesday, depending on the individual, is going to be your last hard workout, whether it be on the track or on the lakefront path. Generally, I do anywhere from 800s to 1Ks, and I do them slightly faster than marathon pace. Okay, slightly faster. So if you're gonna be doing your marathon pace at a 652, you're gonna be doing your 1Ks at like a 630 to 645, so slightly faster. You're just trying to stimulate that energy system that you're gonna be doing on the weekend. Okay, so that is Tuesday or Wednesday. And that would also be your last strength day. Okay, and so uh, if you were to do your run on Tuesday, your, uh, I would probably also do your last strength on Tuesday, just so you get like a good five days uh, to let everything fully recover. And that last strength session is going to be, the volume is going to be uh, less. So if the week before you did four sets of three deadlifts, then the week of the race might be three. And you're not trying to go any heavier that week. Okay? You're just trying to hit. Just trying to hit what you did the previous week. You're just trying to keep things firing. Okay? Wednesday would be either a recovery day where you're getting out and getting some easy miles, a cross-training day, or off. Thursday would be an easy run, uh, anywhere from probably like four to six miles. Friday is off. Saturday is a shakeout or off. I like to do a shakeout for most of my people, but sometimes there's pretty little snowflakes that I like to, I know Susie's gonna be shopping at the expo and she's gonna be on her feet so she doesn't need to be going and doing a shakeout run. So Susie doesn't get a shakeout run that day. Yeah. <laughs> okay, because Susie's coming in from Boston and she's gonna walk around with all of her girlfriends. <laughs> she yeah. puts it on five miles walk. Yeah. yeah, gosh. This She'll... guy I walked through said, if you wanna be successful at the marathon, don't go to the expo. It was like, just don't even go. He's like, go grab your bib and leave. He's like, yep. don't walk around. Don't get sucked into it. You're not going to buy any new age gel you haven't been using. Mm -hmm. He's like, just avoid it. And you're going to eat, you're going to eat the craziest, oh. like, cliff products or goo. Yeah, it's like walking like, around Costco just sampling yeah. sugar. Yeah. You're going to eat all this weird <laughs> stuff and then you're going to go, stomach's like, why did I do that? Yeah. yeah, so you're going to make a stupid decision because you ate some weird jelly beans or something like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, Friday, Friday is off. Friday, get off the legs and Friday, maybe even take a half day of work, you know? Uh, Saturday, expo day, like get in, get out. Like what you guys are saying, do not walk around like... I just did the half marathon up in Vancouver, did the Seawees. I actually didn't go to the expo. I, I, excuse me, no. 
I did. I did not wait in line to go shopping yeah. at the expo. There's people that wait like two or three hours yeah. to go to this damn expo to get clothes. I'm like, are you racing? Or yeah. like, why'd you come here? And so get in, get out, wear compression that day. Wear compression the whole week, actually, okay? I tend to not wear shorts that week because I'm always the guy wearing the high socks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with your sandals. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so get in, get out. Uh, the last two days leading into the race, I'm actually walking around everywhere with a water bottle because I'm sipping water. Sipping water to make sure that I'm staying hydrated. And I've got like noon in that water. That worked really well for me before the half in July because it was 79 degrees, mm-hmm. 90% humidity. Yeah. I talked to you on the phone yeah. the day before and I had a water bottle in my hand and I took three sips of it every 20 minutes. That's right. Did you set the timer? I did not set the timer, yeah. but it being attached to my hand is the yeah, timer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I did Boston 2008, uh, I drove, we flew into Washington and we drove up the coast and I drove with two other friends and we set a timer and every half an hour, it became a game. Beep, 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 beep. My watch went off, and we all drank. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but do not drink too much, because just sip, like you said, like two or three. Um, and I would actually track how much you're, because you could drink too much. Uh, but What would you say is an appropriate amount for those days? Uh, so I would make sure that you're, ha- I would, I generally have about 100 ounces to 150 ounces a day. Um, I sweat a lot more than your average bear. Um, <laughs> so I would just make sure that you get that in. Yeah. Because okay. your, your training volume is also going to go down. So um, you could just make sure you're watching your urine to make sure that it's not like, make sure it's not dark and um, if it's clear, you, you're probably in the, in the clear. So um, I usually like to... Uh, the day, uh, sorry, Friday, I like to have a fairly big carbohydrate lunch. It's Friday night, uh, it, it's, it's a lighter dinner. And then um, once again, my Saturday lunch is generally bigger and I like to have an early dinner on Saturday night. But my bigger meals, Friday and Saturday, are my lunches. Okay, and they are they are packed with carbohydrates. And so I do come from a, you know, like reducing carbohydrates when I'm trying to stay lean and like, and that, but like when you're racing, you need carbohydrates. They are your friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will do the, um, the gluten-free pastas and I will crush the, you know, the, um, I will, I will crush a lot of pasta. <laughs> <laughs> that. Both days. Yeah. Both days. And the protein I consume is usually fish or chicken. It's very light. It's not like a beef. It's really fatty. Uh, I will have a glass of wine. Um, I went out to dinner with some friends, and they're like, Coach Mike is drinking wine. Oh, my goodness. You know, yeah, man. Hell, yeah. Let's do this. So, uh, a glass of wine is okay. Four or five is not. <laughs> Susie, yeah. do you hear that? Yeah. Susie? Yeah. I don't actually have a client named Susie. <laughs> <laughs> the proverbial Susie. Everybody knows who Susie is. Yeah. Everybody's got a Susie friend Susie's out there. name could also be Jim. <laughs> Jim, oh, Jim. Jim could overdrink wine also. That's true. <laughs> um, and just making sure that uh, I'm watching something super motivating like... Uh, David Goggins, Instagram, on yeah. repeat. Yeah. yeah, fire on the track, pre-Fontaine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, that would get me over, over-amped. Yeah. 
Rocky Four, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Remember the Titans, yeah. and then you just yeah. throw them all on repeat. Yeah, yeah. Saturday's movies. Your jams on. Yeah. Uh, okay, day of. Woo! Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Oh my god. I'm already nervous. Seven thirty. It starts. Oh when are we waking up? Seven thirty a.m. It is a okay. fifty-five degree, perfect, shy town day. Oh my gosh, fifty-five. No fifty-five. Humidity. Yeah. It's Zero negative ten percent humidity. The humidity. Yeah, it's been sucked clean from the air. Okay. It's fifty-five degrees. Yeah. It's 7.30 race start. Shit show at the start line. What happens? When you, know, you wake seen, up? I have seen some crazy stuff at the Chicago yeah. start, by the way. Like, people okay, tearing down fences first. and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that first. You want to talk happened? about that? Yes. Yeah, let's so, go and hear the crazy yeah. stuff. Right. Because if you get caught on the wrong side of the street, you're going to need to know these strategies. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, first off, you kind of got to put blinders on because... Everybody is super nervous, and everybody has got, like, looking around at everybody else. And there's <laughs> what you thousands you of people. There are thousands of people out there. and everybody Jittery is as hell. Everybody's I'm already jittery. Yeah, I'm feeling it right now. I'm like this. I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay. And they've got us, um, they've got us uh, you know, in, like, gates and stuff like that. And so caged in they're in they're they're caged. They, do. They, yeah. they actually do I mean, a, a really, kinda, they they call really good They call the cage job. a corral, but yeah. it's a cage. You have and, to be, and though. so you gotta go drop your bag and stuff like that. And I think you're in the actual corral like twenty to thirty minutes before the race. It's okay. a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's a very long time. And if you don't get into that corral, they shut it down. You, they actually shut it down. And so people were like jumping the fence. Not just one person, but like herds of people. And so the fence like collapsed, and it's almost like. Um, Lollapalooza. Lollapalooza. <laughs> yeah. 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 Picture the kids like tearing down the fence and running in. These are grown adults doing this. <laughs> this is like CEOs of businesses that are yeah. like, I'm going to do yeah. this and like tear down the fence. Yeah. Don't mess with those yeah. people, man. No. Um, not on race day. They've trained for a year yeah. to do yeah. this, you know. So um, you kind of got to put blinders on and um, not watch what other people are doing. And I would recommend you get down there with ample time. And when you get down there, make sure if it is 55, 55 is brisk, man. You're going to yeah. have to wear some extra clothes and you might want to bring a hat yeah. and some gloves. Um Okay, wait, let's back up. Let's back up. What, okay. what time do you wake up? Yeah, what yeah. time do you wake up? Uh, 7.30 start. What time do you wake up? Okay, so... 7.30 start, all right? Yeah, That's probably... guns off. I mean, I'm we're in there. already finished yeah. by the time you cross the jam. And we're running 652s. 651s. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. You, you, gotta, you, know, like you gotta deviate yeah. to, like, yeah. you know, in case I'm you're running in By the way, follow the yellow turn your Garmin to manual lap. Don't let it auto lap. Yeah, I, I turned that off. Okay. That's a that's a little trick because when you get through the um, when you get through the, the buildings and stuff like that, it's gonna throw off. Yeah. Your, your, your it did during the half marathon. I'm mm-hmm. looking around at people like, yeah. yo, my watch says I'm running an 8:45 mile. How fast are we going? The buddy next to me goes, well, mine says we're going 6:20, which is actually accurate. Oh boy. So yeah, I would oh, probably wake up uh, three hours prior. And I would... 4.30. Yeah, I would start drinking water immediately. Bang. Yeah. Right there. Like a 16-ouncer. A little pint of glass. Pint 16 to 20 ounces, okay? First thing, okay? Get it in. I then go and fire up my coffee to help start getting the bowel movement going. And then I have my meal, okay? And, uh... So this is all pre-5 a.m. you're yeah. eating? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably eating at about 5, okay? okay? And it's a pretty sizable meal. I don't... I don't have any stomach issues, and so um, I'm consuming, like, some gluten-free pancakes, uh, 
some waffles of some sort. Like it's Damn, you're pretty, eating. Not and, either or. <laughs> no, but you're eating. Oh, like yeah, a eating, a like food. eating a meal. Eating a meal. And I'm eating a banana, and I'm eating. So, um, How much you I'm eat? trying. I'm eating a freaking so, lick of a dried pork. So, no, 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 absolutely <laughs> not. You. So your pancakes, a banana, I'm putting almond butter on top of that. Um, yeah, nothing really heavy. So, pancakes, banana, almond butter. You don't need a lot of protein in that meal. And you don't need a lot of fat. But you do want to stabilize your blood sugar some, yeah. so you're not blood My fingers not. are tingling. I'm, <laughs> For real, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So that's about uh, two and a half hours prior to. And then I would have um, another bar of some sort about an hour prior. And then... Um, you know, you could probably sip on some sort of electrolyte carbohydrate concoction of your choice um, while you're in the corral. So have your bar of choice probably 45 minutes to a half an hour so it can start digesting, and that would probably be the last solid that you're going to consume. And then it's just... So then when you, when are you going to get there? So when are you going to get there? Yeah, I mean... What are you I, I think, thinking about? What are you wearing? <laughs> It's funny you say that. I actually, uh, I don't know quite yet. So I'm messing around with a pair of tights. Yeah, I saw those tights. Yeah, I actually tried on a pair of tights. Huh? Yeah. I'm wearing tights. No, no, no. Tights only. Oh, tights only. Uh, (laughs) Only Tights tights. only. Oh, wow, you're going aerodynamic. Yeah, you got so many layers. Is this for publicity purposes or? (laughs) What are you trying to get sponsored by? You got so many layers on. Um, So I'm thinking about wearing a pair of tights because. I feel fast. Yeah. I wear the clothes that make me feel sexy and fast. And I know it sounds funny, but when I picked my tri bike, I stood over the bike that I rode and raced. And I said, if this this thing makes me feel sexy, I want this thing. This thing yeah. makes me feel strong. And it's the same thing I do with my shoes. If you don't get that visceral response of when you put your shoes on, don't wear them. Yeah. You got to feel. the same thing with golf clubs. Yeah. I, all the same. Anything like feel based Absolutely. that you're doing over a duration of time, I think totally. you should, it should visually appeal to you also. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, so I, I, um, probably going to wear the, uh, Nike necks, uh, cause that's what I wore when I raced up in Vancouver and they just are like, yeah, it should be illegal. They're, they're so fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a high performance yeah, shoe. It's a high-performance shoe. Have you run in them? No, nope, I have not. I run in the Vaporfly 4%. Okay. So the, the next percent was the iteration off of yeah. the force. They just can't say five. Yep. It's just okay. the next percent. Um, so the tights that I'm trying on are the uh, Lululemon Fast and Free short. It's a women's short, so they don't actually have a men's short. Um, but the pockets in them are bonkers, like absolutely amazing. And so uh, pack my... Everything I need. Yeah. Everything I need. Okay, so you walk out of your door. Yeah. We'll skip, like, how you're getting there. But you walk out of your door. What do you got on? It's 50 degrees out. It's 48 degrees. 50 degrees on. 50 You got tights, but this is 5, what, 30 a.m. you're going to leave So I'm not wearing my race shoes. I'm going to wear, like, a probably a pair. Hear this. I'm going to wear a pair of shoes that I could potentially race in if there's something that happens to my other pair of shoes, just in case. The backups, I didn't think about, about that until, yeah. who were you talking to about the contacts? contacts. Some, Somebody said their contacts got messed one up. One of her contacts fell out mid-race, and she's yeah. blind as a bat, so yeah. she like got like kind of sick. She was like disoriented. Oh, yeah. wow. 
She's yeah. like, bring an extra pair of contacts. I was like, oh my wow. God. You yeah. never would have thought. No. Yeah. I mean, so I'm where, where, where are a pair of know. shoes that you've probably been training in that you could do the race in just in case? And then you bring your race shoes, you know, like your your soccer shoes that you like. Yeah. Like you basically <laughs> yeah, walk yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. box still. So you're wearing like a pair of sweatpants that you could ditch, but you're going to be could potentially put them in your in your check bag when you drop your bag. Uh, you're probably gonna wear a jacket. You're probably gonna wear a, um, a my God, it's been so long since I've wore this thing. What do they call it? A snow cap? Yeah. Is that called the uh, winter hat? <laughs> snow cap. I know running real good. Rushing my shelf is a real <laughs> issue, though. Yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, so yeah, I might bring uh, a winter cap because I don't, or like a hoodie, so I just keep my. Yeah, I like the uh, hoodie vibe though. Yeah, like good skit. Like Eminem style. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Let's yeah. just get the bangers yeah. going. Um, so uh, probably a hoodie and a, a winter hat just in case. Because um, if you're cold, if you're shaking, you're gonna start burning burning your glycogen in the uh, in the corral. So if it is cold and if it happens to stay cold leading up to the race, you can just ditch them. Yeah, you, so just, you just cut, throw yeah. it in the street. Yeah. To just wear shit you don't so want. Everybody does, man. Yeah. So it's like stuff that you really don't care about. Uh, I tend to bring some gloves, some light gloves that I might wear for the first mile or two just to make sure that my hands don't get cold. Um, I may need to listen to this again. A couple times. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really about you it. You go no music. No headphones. I'm not a real big music kind of guy. I mean, um, no, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, not not on race morning. Yeah, I'm kind of chilling. But you're not bringing headphones during the race either. No. Hmm. No, I never race with headphones in, in, in a race. I do when I'm training, though. I do when I'm training. I listened to a book on tape during the half. What? Yeah, book Shut on tape. Up. This little British man was just... Speaking about running in my ear the whole time. Book on tape. Goodness gracious. Fantastic. Raced it. That's book that's on impressive. tape. It just kept my heart rate down. If, you, if I start putting that's jams awesome. on, yeah. I'm going to be two hands up, just let's go so that's bangers. I, do. I don't get too excited. I do that on my long runs where I'll listen to a podcast yeah. or a book on tape yeah, you on have the way to. out. But on the way back, I'll, I'll listen to, you know, my Spotify mixes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I kind of want to go, no headphones. What do you think about the strategy? No headphones for the first eight, where all the people are. So you're just kind of excited. You're just taking in the scene, taking it easy, follow the pacer. Get through 11. Get through 11. Get through 11. 11. Yeah. Then we get the next 10. Yeah. Book on tape. You just settle in easy. (gasps) Book on tape. Book on tape. tape. Then the last five, you're going... All your bangers. Oh, with the bar, the yeah, bang, the yeah. bang. You're throwing limp biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and one ear, an Eminem in the yeah, other. Yeah. Then just yeah. Back. yeah Chain I mean, smokers background. Yeah, I mean, if I... What are you going to do? I'm thinking right, something around that, except instead of the book on tape, I'm throwing on some cool Drake. <laughs> <laughs> just use just take care. Yeah, just like yeah. chilling yeah. with Drake. Yeah. Like Drake's in my ear chilling. Yeah. Okay. Sunday coffee. Yeah. Sunday, uh, like the Spotify mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Coffee time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So then you get in the you get in the corral. You know everybody's jostling, mm-hmm. jittering. How does the start go? So you're in there for a bit, and once again you got your blinders on, not paying attention to everybody. 
And so that's when you gotta like start thinking about your breath. You gotta start slowing things down. And uh, I know it sounds like cliche, but it actually calms you down. It's weird. <laughs> and so put your hand, meditation. yeah, this thing called being mindful. So put your hand on your belly and like actually let your stomach expand because it does matter. Um, and just try to stay relaxed in your shoulders and don't be bouncing up and down. There will be a time that I think if you have like a little bit of a runway in the corral, you could do some skips. Like I think you should do, I think you should warm up. But you should have done that before you got into the actual corral. So if you're over here, like at the Buckingham Fountain, you could do, you should do like five to ten minutes of running. Do your skip shuffle karaoke. Do high knees, butt kicks. Do your dynamic lunges, leg swings, yeah. and all that. Are stuff. you mixing in like strides? I I do I do I do that before I get into the corral though. And uh, there's a lot of people doing that. Um, people that people more, that look like they know what lead, they're doing. Yeah, the more elites are going to be doing that. Yeah. And then when you get in your corral, you just kind of like Shake. calm back down. Unfortunately, you do get cold again, so that's why you keep your uh, your hoodies. Yeah. Because you don't want to get hot, get cold, get you know like the change in temperature. Yeah. So you don't want to like if you got hot and sweaty, then <laughs> you get cold, then things things go rogue, you know. So, um, so I would say like ten minutes before you make sure that you're warmed up again. And then five minutes before, you just chill out, okay? Because you don't want any lactic acid in your blood. You just want to, like, actually, like, stand. Yeah. Maybe just reach down, touch your toes. So focus on your breathing again. Um, but, you know, it, it's a great environment when you're in the corral, man. Like, everybody is happy. Like, there tends to not be any, like, assholes in there. It's just, like, people uh, from all different worlds, all different languages, different flags on people's backs and uh it's 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 a magical this is one of the biggest races in the world chicago marathon yeah. chicago new york berlin it's cool tokyo what's the other one boston yeah i feel like i'm missing one more um but uh it is one of the biggest races on one of the best platforms in the world and it's one of the fastest courses in the world too if we get a cool day, yeah, that's what nobody knows. So, um, and when you come out of those corrals, hopefully not like a cannon, <laughs> um, there are people lined <laughs> five deep, <laughs> five deep, man, like you're at a rock concert, and uh, it's just magical. And so people just lift you up. You are floating. I'm getting chills on the yeah, back of my yeah. spine right now. <laughs> my fingers are like, on let's go. It's yeah. uh, let's go run it right, right now. now. It's amazing, and um, it doesn't stop. It really doesn't stop, like, all the way through the course, and uh, they, they really lift you up, so. So when you, what, and so you're just staying even splits as much as de possible. De depends, depends. If, uh, so I'm, I'm pacing. This year I'm going to pace a, a buddy, too. He wants to break 302, and if he so happens to go sub three, it's good for him. Um, but I am not coaching him. I am there to just be at his side, and if he needs my help. If I am racing it for the first mile, two, or three, I tend to be slightly slower than my race pace. And by going out slightly slower than my race pace, I tend to go out at race pace. Yeah. <laughs> because it's so easy, and you go uh, 
like up a little bit of a hill and you go down yeah. a little bit a of a decent, hill. A little decent, like yeah, Columbus too. down to Grand is like yeah, a decent little drop. Your legs are spinning and it's easy. And But if you just need to back off. And I don't mind if you go get the legs spinning when you're going down that hill, but like you just got to keep uh, holding. And when I did the race in 2013, I ran it with a training buddy who was Scottish. And I kept saying, hold, hold, <laughs> like a brain fart. Yeah. And of course, he laughed and elbowed me every time I said it, but um, when he would get anxious. I'm going to hear Mike when I'm, hold, I'm going to hear him. He's going to have a megaphone out hold. front. Hold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing 620s. Yeah. So um, just keep holding, just keep holding, just keep holding, because, dude, you're only 20 minutes in. Yeah. Two miles in, three miles in. And so when you finally get to LaSalle and you get start getting into like Lincoln Park, oh, um, still like, only like six in, you're still like five, five, in. five or six. Yeah, you're still five or six in. By the time you get up to Addison, you're like, okay, now I've been running for forty minutes. Like here we go. Uh, I will say one race tip: when you take that turn up at Addison, you start coming back down Broadway. At that time, the sun is still not on the entire road. The sun is on the west side of the road and not on the east side of the road. So the temperature could be five to 10 degrees cooler on the east side than the west side of the road. So stay close to the east side because you'll be in the shade. And so that's just a trick just from doing the race, just stay on that east side of that road because you will be in the shade for a little bit longer. So by the time you get down to uh, Sedgwick, everything's in the sun. There is no hide in the sun at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But you hope it's still 54, still 0% yeah. humidity. Yeah. yeah. You're good. But yeah. what if it's like 70, 5? Then you're... And raining. Hydrating. And 100% humidity. Yeah, then you're drinking the... Yeah. You're just slamming salt pills. Yeah. You got your... What's your nutrition look like during the race? So, um... I'm sipping something almost at every station. Sipping. And, uh... I will take... Uh, about two... I will take three goos with me. And I will probably grab a goo when I'm running a Taylor. A Taylor Street. They uh, pass out some sort of uh, gel. So I will have had probably two goos by that time. And I'll probably have my last goo at like 21, 22. And so I take that goo at Taylor just in case I drop one. Just kind of like... They hand it to you unopened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember if it's Powerade or what. Gatorade. Gatorade. Okay. Uh, yeah, of course it is. Um, and so I do grab one of those just just in case. And uh, you know, depending on the temperature, I'm having water and probably uh, taking some Gatorade and either ingesting it or swishing and spitting. So I tend to be a pretty sweaty sweater, and I do sweat a lot. Um, and so there is really good uh, benefits to actually just touching it to your lips. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So when you're and when you're racing this this race, I think it's hard when you haven't run this far and paid attention to your watch to actually understand the deviation off of like a midline for running exactly twenty six miles, twenty six point yeah. two miles. When you're taking water at every aid station, if you go to the opposite side of the aid station and you create a little more distance for yourself taking water at like 14 times is going to add a little bit of time to your yeah, race yeah so when you're thinking about that like how do you buffer the effort 
if you accidentally start running more. Say you start a little bit too far back and you're weaving around people, like, it, but you have a time target. How do you, where do you kind of add that back up? Is that just like a slow drip or are you just oh, yeah. hammering mile 25? Like, oh, so if this works, I'm going to run a 450 mile Tiesto blaring. Can't feel my feet. So if you've been in the, the positive for the first couple of miles? If you're just, yeah, if you've given up. So you have to stop and pee. Oh, and man. you're taking you're taking water all the you time. You don't do that. You just, <laughs> just pee yourself. Yeah. Come on. You can do that. I've never tried. Yeah. Oh, I used to do tried. that all the time in triathlon. I don't know about running peeing. <laughs> I just do it on the bike. <laughs> we could do some test runs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so if 6:52 is your um, goal time, then there's going to be miles where you run 6:45. So there's going to be miles where you're accidentally run you know 642 but you want to be as close to that damn 652 as possible and you want to know where you're at you want to know what the first mile was yeah and you want to know what the second mile was and you want to know what the third mile was so you can say plus 45 yeah right you can say plus 45 and so then you start doing the math and start chipping away at it so then when you're at mile four you say minus 10 so minus 10 to 45 is uh, you know 35 and you start doing the math um, I also on my Garmin put average pace on I put the average pace on on one of my screens for the uh, entire run not just I put average lap uh, I'll put the time for that lap I'll put um, well let's see because the main screen has total distance and average time. And then if you hit the lap function, it basically restarts that over and shows your lap time and right. the average lap time. So my current main screen is timer, lap time. Sorry, hold on. Let me find it. Yeah, that was it. Timer, lap time, lap pace, and my heart rate. And then on another one of the screens, I have all my paces. Um, lap pace, average pace, pace, and heart rate. And I tend to know, and there's another screen that has uh, distance on it. Yeah. Okay. So the one that I'm watching the most is lap time and lap pace. And then I'll scroll to see what my average pace is. Okay. So, so you kind of know where you're at. Yeah. So the majority of people are going to run over 26.2 miles. They're going to run closer to probably 26.4, 26.5 miles. So you have to take that into consideration. So you got to make up a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you got to go like... 6.30. Yeah. No. Twice. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Interesting. So... Um, you, you made a good point about getting through the uh, water stations. Don't be the first person at the water station because that's where everybody goes. Yeah. So when you go into a water station, uh, go around everybody because the water stations are like a block long. Yeah, they're, 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 they're so big. 45,000 people yeah. stopping at those things. They're things. so big, so don't, don't, um, don't be overly aggressive. And if you just so happen to miss a cup, it's fine. There's going to be another one in two feet. <laughs> so, like, when you go through, aggressively grab, pinch the top, so you get a figure eight or an infinity sign, and you put it, you grab it, and you pinch it, and you put it, 
Wow, good strategy, man. I took a Gatorade to the face. <laughs> Dude, I took this thing, round to the corner, aid station, full, I bounced, and it just went <laughs> straight, and that's full when, Gatorade. Oh, oh, I was like sticky good. and shit. I was like, oh, oh, sucked in Gatorade like it came down my snorkel. You know, one of those? Yep. Terrible. Oh, boy. And you're like, that's not rockets of yeah, Gatorade. Yeah, it's though. not rockets of Gatorade. Yeah. Covered in sugar. Your post-race picture is like you're half orange. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. hanging out. I hope it's like clear, white, blue, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, pinch, pinch the top. All right. Any other things like that? Pinch the top of the cup. What do you do if you're, you get a blister on your foot? What Turn do you your do? head you around pee? backwards. You like, know. Things like that. Man, I've never had to pee in a race. Um, Interestingly, I have not either, but I have all, had to pee in a ton of training runs. runs. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, but you it's different. Yeah. Shuts off. Yeah, it shuts off. Shuts off. Yeah, <laughs> He's going to get so Pee, mad. Peeing would be very Pee-pee. bad. Peeing would be very bad. Peeing, um... Yeah, luckily has not happened to me. I don't know why on a training run. Um, maybe it's because you, it's oh, like you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like once yeah, you get into mind. that environment, it shuts off. Yeah, no pain. It shuts off. Okay, okay. Um, I like the. Contact. I would say so. One thing I'll say about the Chicago Marathon, and you guys know, and a bunch of people, there's gonna be a lot of people on the course that you know. You don't have to smack everybody's hand. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna woogie. Yeah, maybe. Or, like peace. It takes energy. It takes energy. Do not yell at them. Do yeah. not yell back at them. No. Don't say anything. Just keep running. And you can give them a peace sign. Give them in mid stride. Give them a peace sign. Give them whatever you want. But that stuff takes energy, man. It takes a lot of energy. And I did that the first year I did it, and it nuked me. Absolutely nuked me. And so the other thing <laughs> is, don't look for people, because yeah. you get overstimulated when you're doing this throughout the race. Yeah. You get overstimulated. There's already enough things to, to think about and look at. So focus on the guy ahead of you or focus on where you're going, you know. Lock your eyes in on the tree ahead of you, okay, and look, take the tangent to that tree. So don't be looking. Susie said she was going to be on Sedgwick in the quarter. Sedgwick, yeah, d- definitely Sedgwick. Yeah, definitely Sedgwick, you know. Like, don't, don't be... <laughs> Don't be yeah. looking for Susie. But was Susie, about was Susie tr- also the one? She, Susie's supposed to be running the yeah. race. What Susie, happened to Susie? Susie <laughs> ran a four thirty mile to get the photo. No. She, quit. she quit. Susie she got failed. a blister because she was at the expo too long. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. So she backed out. Yeah. And Jim's hung over. So yeah, he's, I, yeah, he's out. He's, at. And he's gone. <laughs> you know, Jim had five. Yep. Damn Jim. Yep. Here goes again. So Two bottles. God Jesus. I was going to ask about that, about, about seeing people on the course. Yeah. Um, yeah. People are going to be getting hype. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what is, what is self-talk at mile 20? Mm. Let's go two scenarios. One, you're, you're locked in. If I run my pace for the rest of this, I will, I will break yeah. my goal. Or you, are, you need to shave off time in the final. Yeah. Six. You're what, not what chilling. Talk? You're like, either are on pace or behind yep. a small amount and reasonably could yes. potentially, if your legs didn't explode, so I think spontaneously the, beat it. The, the talk at 20 goes back to the visualization you do leading into the race, and that's probably something I should have talked about. Like I think now people should be thinking, two and a half weeks out, people should be thinking about the race and seeing themselves at 20 and seeing themselves not having a good time. They're in pain. <laughs> Yeah, I hate to paint that picture, but yeah. you're hurting. I'm going to get on a divvy. <laughs> Bring your divvy key. I'm going to get on a divvy. So I think that it's important to have those uh, meditations and visualization 
times where you are running well, but um, you are in pain. Like, your legs do hurt. You are running fast, and you've been running fast for um, two hours and 30 minutes, you know? So you're going to be hurting. Your legs will be sore. It will not be your lungs. It will not be because you cannot get enough oxygen in, okay? It will be because your legs are really, 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 really sore. (laughs) So the um, things that you're saying have been said in your visualization. So um, I think that mantras are very important. Um, so, uh, whatever that mantra is to you and for whatever reason you're doing that race, um, you know, one of my clients, uh, whispers to himself when he's doing personal training with me, uh, be the example. He wants to be an example to his kids. So whatever that mantra is to you, like you have to be resonating, you have to be, it has to make, have a visceral response. And so like two and a half weeks out, that's still enough time where you can find what that mantra is. Yeah. Okay, so play around with them and then play around with them. We've got a couple more long runs that we can play around with that mantra. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, that's what I think that you should be saying at mile 20. The same thing you're... Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. Amazing. I'm ready to go. I can't wait to listen to this again, like eight times. Yeah. Um, Sunglasses or a visor. If it's sunny, squinting takes energy. It creates tension in your neck. So um, you can always ditch a cheap pair of, like, gooders. Uh, You can always ditch a visor if you don't need it. Um, But you can never add to your apparel. So think about that, okay? So you can always pop them up on the top of your head. I think we should put some stash people out there. I've never worn sunglasses on a run. Yeah, you could, yeah. Yeah. There is a reason why elites have the tape, because it it is an advantage. So um, you can take stuff from people. People can give you bars and goos and stuff like that. However... If you are expecting to see that person yep. and, and that person point, yeah. is not there, yep. that can be a big mind. Yes. can throw your mind oh, for a big yeah, I can't rely on that. And so that no. is very, very, very difficult, and it puts a lot of pressure on that individual. The, yeah, the totally Kip to be Chogi. there. Yeah. There was a video of this guy that actually fueled Kipchoge. I think it's when he ran his, like, 201 or uh, the, the actual world record, the fastest, mm-hmm. not the the, uh-huh. um, the two-hour and 26 seconds. Yeah. But they showed the guy celebrating every time he gave Chip Yeah, that's cool. Chogi I just saw that. His, uh, his fuel. I just saw that. You should look <laughs> at Kip Chogi. You should look at Kip Chogi's um, Instagram right now. Okay. Um, Ineos or whoever the, whatever oil company is oh, sponsoring yeah. that yeah. 159 project they're yeah. doing did a little three-part Instagram story documentary on him and that guy's in there and they talk about yeah. it. They, they show them running on their trail on the road next to the van the van guy which is like a big part of their running culture is to always like be picked up by vans and they have their own little training culture and like we didn't really get into that too much but these guys live and breathe running all the time that's all they do and they're checked out especially in season and they show every time this guy's checking off on a sheet handing them a water bottle with the goo cut off taped to the top of it so he takes the water bottle and as he's sipping it he can literally move his mouth one up and yep. squeeze the top of the goo pack so he's not like fumbling in a zipper mm-hmm. it is taped yep. to the water bottle right yep. next to it already ready at his proportions yep. he knows what time he's getting it and they they stash it on the course they yep. simulate the van yep. by yep. somebody helping him yeah yeah that's crazy 
Yeah, you should get that. <laughs> we need, I need it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you so much. Um, and selfishly, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's a therapy session. Yeah, this is <laughs> incredible. So, um, obviously, um, you run a amazing business here in Chicago. Where can people find out about you? Um, Instagram, website. How can people get involved with your yeah. track workouts and all that stuff? Yeah, the, the business is called Fast and Fit Coaching. We have an Instagram page. We have a Facebook page. Uh, info at Fast and Fit Coaching is a way that you could reach out to us via email. You could also DM us on Instagram. Uh, I am on Instagram as well, Fast and Fit Mike. My name is not Fast and Fit Mike. My name is Mike Thompson. <laughs> However, people call me Fast and Fit Mike yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's actually funny how many times people call me Fast and Fit Mike. Yeah, I call you that. Yeah, I think I yeah. Um, Mike Thompson, who? Fast and Fit Mike. Oh, oh yeah, that's a yeah. thing. You just you did that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, that's fine. Yeah, we that's do. A pretty um, good. That's a pretty good lead-in. Right. Fast and Fit Mike. Fast and Fit Mike. Yeah, fast and Fit Coaching. Like, fast slow and, fit and out of shape, Mike. You know. That's true. Uh, <laughs> however, in my email, sometimes I put fat and fit 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 so like i messed up the, <laughs> like delete 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 um but no we coach people around the world we've got a couple of athletes right now in ireland we've got a couple of athletes in new york boston on both coasts we've had some people in england and finland um portugal so we do coaching anywhere and with garmin these days we can see where they're running, what their paces are, what their heart rate is, what their cadence is. If they were a foot pod, it can actually give us their power yeah. output on the run, crazy. which is bonkers. Yeah. And I can write what they're supposed to be doing for strength as well, uh, anywhere. And, but here in Chicago, we, we do a lot of personal training, and like what you guys mentioned, we do track workouts. And I am doing something called a how-to-run seminar, where I uh, educate people on... Uh, and educate people on how to run fast uh, for a very long time, meaning like late into their life, um, and why. So people need to know why they need to be doing their easy runs and why it's important to actually run frequently and why it's important to do speed work. Um, and we actually do running drills in that seminar, so it's actually hands-on. Um, and we talk about some of the time trialing that we do and how to find your pace or your heart rate. Do you have any of those coming up? I just had one last night, so I want to do them uh, once a month. I got one out in Naperville next week. Uh, I think there might be still a couple of spots, but um, I'm open to take the seminar to any group. You just have to hit me up, and I'll uh, come out. And It's about an hour to hour and a half seminar. It probably could be a three-hour seminar. Oh, I could yeah. talk about it for a long, yeah. long time. Um, but it generally, uh, an hour and a half is about what I need for the seminar. Perfect. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, and we'll see you uh, <sighs> before day. day, race day, but race day, race just day. calming us down. Yep. Mm, we're high. 58 handstands across the finish line. Do your deep breaths. Yeah, that's what we're doing. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Woo! Yeah!